0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning. That was, that was intense for 9 a.m., wasn't that? Woo! That was powerful, but uh, I believe in every word that uh, that clip just said. Good morning. Uh, how are you guys doing this morning? Doing good? Come on. It's starting to get a little chillier, and I like it. It's starting to just get a little bit like mm, a little bit more cozy and snuggly, and I like that. Uh, Good morning to all of you online. We are glad that you joined us. If you don't know me, my name is Tyler Harris. I'm the student pastor here. And to sum up what that does, yep, thanks for the peanut section here. Um, To sum up my job, my job is literally I destroy students and teenagers in games and athletic activities. And then I build them back up with the love of Jesus later. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Toby knows a whole ton about that. So does Andy. He knows a whole ton about that. If you're new with us, thank you for joining. Uh, Today's going to be awesome. Um, I have the privilege of speaking today. Normally you see uh, my father, a guy that looks like me. Sadly, I'm starting to get to that place. That we were starting to, I literally had a woman this week go, man, you guys look ridiculously similar. And I was like, oh no, it's happening. I've have I've turned the corner. It's no longer like, oh, you guys look alike. It's no, you guys are the same person. Uh, so today you have me and I'm excited to continue into our series, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at moments in scripture that capture the essence of Jesus, right, that capture who Jesus was. And the reason is because all of these moments were accounted by his own words. It was his own explanations. It was his own reasoning in, in, in these times. And this is one of my favorite series because when I feel like life has me on the ropes, or I feel like I'm not doing a good enough job, or maybe you feel like um, life is just hectic and crazy, we have an actual Perception, an actual tangible thing to read of how to model our lives. And not just something that we read and then we have to go, okay, I don't really know. No, it's from Jesus' mouth. The things that we're supposed to model, the way that we're supposed to be as Christians, the way that we're supposed to be in our faith is modeled word for word for us. And it's so amazing because I think Jesus doesn't get enough credit for the words that he spoke. Sometimes we say, oh yeah, you know, in the book of John, right? Or like, oh yeah, in the gospels. We forget that Jesus spoke those words, that Jesus modeled it for a reason. It wasn't just for us to read and retain, it was for us to read and live, for us to be that. Now, before we jump right into it, I will admit I am a Harris which means I got a story to tell. I got a story to tell. I don't know what it is, but Jesus, God, thank you, gave, gave us Harris's this super weird thing where we are in the weirdest situations. Let me tell you, we are in the weirdest situations and they provide for great stories, I think, and that's why. So if any of you know me personally, uh, I am not a risk, risk taker, not at all. I don't want anything to do with anything that could, could put my life in danger. Okay. And my reasoning is simple. I've been like this my whole life. My reasoning is simple. I want to live. I don't want to die. I don't want to do something and, and then go, okay, well, there goes Tyler, like good, good 25 years. So I'm not a risk taker and I've been like this my whole life. My mom can attest. Everybody can attest. I do not do anything, but I think, in your weaknesses, the Lord makes you strong, which means when I was a kid, God provided me two best friends that were both risk takers, that, that pushed me into places. I was like, dude, hey, this is getting a little, a little crazy out here. Maybe we need to rein it back in. And, and so these two friends, uh, Eric and Sam, I think I have a picture of them. Yep. Look at us, young man. That's an old, old, old picture. That's Eric on the left. That's me in the middle. Uh, And that's Sam on the right. He has gone to be with um, the um, um, Lord. But um, these these were my best friends. We were called the three amigos, like literally. And the thing about us was we all grew up in the church. And if we have any PKs in here or anybody that, come on, clap it up for me. Yeah. If you got any PKs or you spent any time in the church as a kid, you know you were at the church all the time for the most random things. Oh, there's this meeting. Okay, we have to go there for 17 hours. That's what it felt like. And so growing up, we used to have to, to figure out ways to, to um, enjoy ourselves during these meetings. And trust me, they were long. And one of the games amongst many that we would play was um, full church building hide and seek. So we used to take this, this, this entire building and say, nothing's off limits. You'd get on the roof if you could. Like, you could go hide wherever you want because we'd be there for hours. And I remember we knew all the best hiding spots. We knew all the best places to to run and hide. And so me, Sam, and Eric were playing, and Eric was finding Sam and I. We used to go in pairs because we were a little afraid. So we would go in pairs and hides, and then the guy that had to find us, he, he just had to be scared the whole time, which was great. We had one specific hiding spot that was prime. It was king. It was amazing. It was an old church closet. How many of you guys remember chair closets? Yeah, it's that big closet that you just put all the extra chairs that you don't use. So they left this unlocked, which was super folly on them. Because we would go into this chair closet, and this is a key part of the story. It had a freezer in it. And I'll get back to that. So we would go into this closet. We'd get behind the chairs because it was a two hiding spot in one. You hide in the chairs, then you close the door. So someone could open the door. See, I'm giving you all these great, make sure you're writing these down. Make sure you're writing these down. You hide behind chairs inside of another closed door. They won't find you. There's two hiding spots. It's great. So Eric and I, no, sorry, Sam and I get into this chair closet and we're behind these chairs and we're like, this is great. But we used to do this thing where we'd get in, I'd get on the floor, I'd block the light of the door of the crack, you know, just in case somebody could see us in there. Sam would open the freezer and we'd get ice cream sandwiches. And I don't know who decided to just leave ice cream sandwiches in a freezer unattended for three eight-year-olds to find, but we did, and we ate plenty of them. But so I would block the crack, okay? And I'd go, okay, Sam, you gotta be fast, because the freezer light was bright. So I'd like block the crack, I'm like, okay, ice cream sandwiches. So he'd grab the ice cream, I would then turn off the light, turn off the light, hide, eat. We'd be eating ice cream sandwiches the whole time. And I remember this one specific time, we were drowning in ice cream sandwiches. It was amazing, and, we, and we, we were hiding, and next thing we hear is a knock right on the door. Now, here's the thing. Everybody else is in a meeting, so there was only three options. We were either going to jail because we stole ice cream sandwiches, we were either being abducted by aliens for some whatever reason, or somehow Jesus came back to Earth and was not like, hey, are you guys done eating? We gotta go up to heaven. I, those were the only three options in our mind, and it freaked me out because I'm not a risk taker. Being in this closet eating ice cream without my parents knowing was already a risk to me, and now knowing that someone knew that we were in here was even worse. And I remember me and Sam locked eyes, and it was it, it was like a a, a it was like a movie, it was like a dramatic scene. It was like we locked eyes, and Sam started to move towards the door, and I literally was like, "No, don't do it! You're gonna die! You're gonna!" You're be back. And he's and it looked like it was slow motion. He's walking up to the door, and I'm like, "No, don't! Please, don't go!" And 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 he's like, "Okay, I'll be back. Don't worry." And the door is like three feet away, and I'm like, "Don't go!" Um, and he gets to the door, and we're eight years old, so he has to go. You know, <clears throat> "Hello," like as deep as he possibly can. And it was the longest moment of my life with no response. I felt it was probably they probably responded instantly, but to me, it felt super long. And next thing I know. It was Eric the whole time. Eric knocked on the door and then he goes, it's me, Eric. And we're like, oh, great. Okay. We let him in. We all had ice cream. It was a great blast. No one died. No one got abducted. It was awesome. So you ask, why do you tell that story? The reason I tell that story, moral of the story and the whole point of this talk, do not leave ice cream unattended in an unlocked room for eight-year-olds to get to. Like, seriously, I'm pretty sure we have a whole trash can of candy downstairs that just has no lock on it. So if you want to go find that, you can. (laughs) No, the actual moral of the story, we would have never opened that door if we didn't know it was Eric. Right? We would have never opened that door. That door would have stayed closed, locked. We would have put chairs in front. We would have not allowed that person in if we didn't know his identity, if we didn't know who he was, right? So like our natural defense that keeps dangers out, right? Our natural defenses would kick in and we'd go, oh my gosh, we're going to die. Things, bad things are going to happen. That's your first thought. And that was our first thought. And I believe that this room reminds me of our hearts sometimes, right? We, we curl up in our hearts. We curl up into ourselves, right? And anything bad that happens, our natural defense mechanisms kick in right then. They keep danger out. It keeps unknown people out. It keeps unknown feelings out. It keeps unknown disturbances out of your heart because we don't know them. We don't know it. I'm gonna say two things and I want you to um, know this the whole talk. There is power in recognition. There is power in recognition. There's power in knowing what is in your heart. It's not just trusting what's in your heart, it's knowing what you've allowed in your heart, knowing what lives in your heart. So today we are are gonna take a look at a passage in John that speaks directly to knowing who God is and what roles and purposes God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is playing in your life. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn uh, to John 10.1. Uh, if you have the uh, version app of the Bible, uh, you can follow along with the message and get all of the notes. You can just search Trinity Community Church under live events and you'll find them all there. If you're on Facebook, check in. If you're on Instagram, make sure the picture of me is slimming. If it's not, I will find it and I will report it and I will get it removed from the Internet forever. I could promise you that because I work with teenagers. So, you know, I prompt, you know, huh, makes sense. So we are, we are going to start here in John 10, the parable of the kind shepherd. Uh, verse one says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen, rather than coming through the gate, reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate. And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd. For he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. Jesus said, uh, yep, and when, he, and, uh, and when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him, for they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away from strangers and never follow them, because they know it's the voice of a stranger. Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. Sounds like us sometimes. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief is only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep, verse 12. But the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd because he has no heart for the sheep. He will run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming. And then the wolf mauls the sheep, drags them off and scatters them. I alone am the good shepherd. And I know those whose whose hearts are mine, for they recognize and know me. Just as my father knows my heart and I know my father's heart, I am ready to give my life for the sheep. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that I will gather, which are not of this Jewish flock, and either shepherd must lead them too, and they will follow me and listen to my voice, and I will join them all in one flock with one shepherd. The father has an intense love for me because I freely give my own life to raise it up again. I love this passage. This is such a a, a great depiction of the way that Jesus loves us and the way that he cares for us and the way that he wants to be a part of your life. My favorite part, too, of this is that Jesus explains to the Pharisees as simply as he can at first and the Pharisees are like, what are you talking about? You're like speaking in gibberish. So he has to re-explain himself he has to explain that he is the gateway to eternal life, which goes completely against what was the normal context and what they believed was, was, was the um, ticket to eternal life. It didn't have a box in that time. The Son of God, there, there was no concept in their minds at the time for who the Son of God was supposed to be or what that even meant, salvation, what? What? A man came to die for me? That doesn't make any sense. It didn't make sense to the Pharisees, and sometimes I think it doesn't make sense to us. And I think the beauty of that is that the Lord allows us to have some mystery. You know that, right? The Lord allows us to have some mystery of God. Because if we knew exactly how God worked, then we wouldn't need a God. And so a few weeks ago, Daniel spoke about this title we see in Scripture that Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And we see it here again today, but added is another title. Jesus says in John 10, 7 through 9, you can go to the next slide. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway. So we see another title assumed by Jesus. He's not only the good shepherd, but he's also the gateway. He he, he refers to himself as the gateway, not just a gateway. He's not just some gateway. He's not just a gate that you stumble upon on your daily walk. He is the gateway. He is the only gateway. He says that there's no other way to eternal life. There's no other way to the Father except through this gateway, which was Jesus. Again, just for context, at the time, this made no sense. In that time period, this, there was no box for what Jesus just spoke. So this statement sent shockwaves through people, and I love when Jesus sends shockwaves through people. Amen? Oh, it is amazing to watch Jesus articulate himself. In a way that actually confuses people. (laughs) Because it means that they're thinking, right? It means that we're thinking. It means that something is not comprehending, which means we have to think about it. And we have to rotate and rotate and rotate. And this conversation with the Pharisees extends all the way into Jesus explaining how because he's the only way to the Father, right? Everything else has been a danger to their hearts, Everything else has been a disturbance to their hearts. We see later that some, that some people called him demon-possessed, and others said that he had great insight, that spectrum. right? Some, some Jewish leaders believed that he was possessed by demons because of what Jesus spoke, and some said, "You know what, he's got a point, and he's probably true. I think that that speaks directly to the way that Jesus was in our lives, the way that Jesus operates in this world. He is the truth, but some people don't agree. And sometimes we struggle with that, right? Sometimes we struggle with things that Jesus says because it directly impacts maybe something that we're struggling with. And I say all of this to ask you this one question, is Jesus your gateway? Now, I know he said that he is the gateway to eternal life. He is the gateway to the Father. But have you made him your gateway to eternal life? Have you made him your gateway to the Father? I think sometimes we, in the back of our minds or in the back of our heart, we hold on to maybe, maybe there's just a sliver that there's another way to get to heaven. Or maybe there's just another way, maybe. I'm just gonna hold on to that for my whole life. Instead of just owning up to it and saying, actually, there is only one way. And Jesus said that he was that way, so I need to figure that out. I want to break this passage up today into some pieces that I believe can be transform, transformational to the way that you view your faith in the way of your heart. The way that it's connected to the Lord. Sometimes I think that we forget that, you know, our mind, body, and spirit all connect and that they all connect for the glory of God. Sometimes we operate them individually when the reality is that they all work together. And I think that these three things can be applied to life and they can really transform the way that you view Jesus in your life, not just as your savior, not just as your healer, not just as your provider, but as the only way to everlasting, everlasting life. So number one, the first step, you got to let him in the gate. This is exactly what Jesus was speaking to. You got to let him at the gate. Jesus is the shepherd in this parable. And he comes up to the gate, right? And the gatekeeper goes, oh, wait, I know that guy. Come on in. Right He lets him in. you got to let him in. Jesus is knocking at the gate. My favorite part is he's looking for you personally. He's pursuing you at the front gate. John 10:1 through3 says this: um, "The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen rather than coming through the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate, and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. John 10, 7-9 says this, All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life freedom, and satisfaction. Guys, Jesus uses the gate. Jesus uses the front door. This scripture has, has, has plenty of analogies of other things trying to sneak into your heart, sneak in to the sheep pen. But they don't come through the front door. They're not recognized. Nobody knows them. Because if they knew them, they would go through the front door. And this is important, guys, because 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 if Jesus pursues you at the front gate, that means that we have an active choice immediately. We're, We're looking at him. We're the gatekeepers of the front door of our heart. If we're not on duty, that's our fault. So if we're on duty guarding our heart and Jesus is the only thing that pursues us at that front door, we cannot miss him. But if we struggle with other things, right? Other things in our heart that gets over the fence, this is where we start to do damage to our heart. Because things creep in, things sneak in, sneak in. And then what happens? We get hurt. We feel pain, we suffer, and then here comes the defense mechanisms again, right? Our hearts are fearful of pain. And the last thing that they want is to let let something in like the other thing hurt you, right? So we confuse Jesus, right? We confuse Jesus that is pursuing us at the front door with feeling pain from something that snuck over the fence. And we keep Jesus out because we think he's going to do what this thing did. And so we're afraid afraid, afraid to, to let him in because the last thing we let in hurt us. When the reality is, is whether you know it or not, it didn't come through the front door. It snuck over the fence it snuck into a place that it was never meant to be. That's my favorite part. The things that we let fester in our heart, it was never meant to be there in the first place. There's only a few places in your heart, and they're all meant for God. And so when those things sneak over the fence, they're trying to find anything they can. They're trying to find anything they can, can to latch onto your heart to know, like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. Because I grabbed the spot that's meant for God and I'm pretending to be God pretty well, I think, enough to where he's not gonna let me go. And the reality is he doesn't fit there. It's not the right puzzle piece, right? He doesn't fit there because it was designed for God. So we are met with a choice at the door. I don't know what you guys struggle with. I know what I struggle with. And I'm met at the door all the time. And sometimes I I don't even know what to do. So we're met with a choice when he's at the door. We're met with a choice when he comes up to the gate. Our choice is, do we trust that Jesus Christ is trustworthy? Do we trust that he's sovereign over our lives? Do do we trust that, that he means well? Or do we trust that like, the thief that we kicked out a week ago and now we've boarded up our heart so tightly, do we trust that that person is also like, okay, I don't know, Jesus. I think I know you, but you look kind of similar to what I think I just kicked out of my heart. So I'm getting a little nervous. This This is the question that we're met with, the choice that we're met with every time that Jesus wants to come up to our hearts. See, the truth is that he belongs there. And that's what I want to really nail home. Guys, Jesus, God belongs in that place in your heart. I feel like we have this misconception that like, oh, like I let him in and I do all the work. Guys, he created you. He created you with that spot for him to fill. He created you with a God-shaped peg spot that only God can fill. So when we actively accept and say, okay, here's the door, God, we actually aren't doing that much work. <laughs> We're trying to overguard something that's not ours in the first place, which is where the Lord lives, where the Lord was designed to be. So we need to let let it, him in, right? Number two, we gotta let him love you. You gotta let him love you. As he wants to give you life abundantly. He wants to give you more than you expect, more than you think you deserve. And the only way that we can even get to a place for you to allow him to love you is if you let him in first. But then what do you do with him when he's finally in there? Guys, honestly, I just said it, we don't do much. If you allow him to love you, he transforms you. John ten 9, 9, through 13 says, To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. Guys, Jesus only has one thing in mind when he he only has one thing in mind when you let him in, into your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to love you. He wants to be with you. He chooses you. And that's such a beautiful part about who God is, about who Jesus is. In any moment of your life, he chooses you every time. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said to him. It doesn't matter how... how, how how life is played out because of something you've done, Jesus loves you the same, and he chooses you every time. The thing that hops the fence, the thing that sneaks into your life, it doesn't care whether you gain or lose anything. It doesn't care about anything that happens to you. Sometimes I think we get stuck in this mindset that these bad things that sneak into the place of God actually cares for us. So, you know, the things you struggle with, addictions, um, financial things. We allow those things to trick us into thinking that, like, okay, these things ha- have my back. This thing is protecting me. This thing loves me. And the truth is, I'm going to be blunt, it doesn't care an ounce about what happens to you. It doesn't care a single tiny little bit about what happens to you in this life. And that's the reality. Is that the, the, the spots in your heart that get filled with all of these other things, all it's doing is rotting your heart. It's rotting the places that Jesus deserves to be in. Guys, these things, it leaves you to die It does, it leaves you just like the sheep. It leaves you to suffer alone. How many times have you been in something, you allowed something in your heart to control the situation, and the next thing you know, you were alone. You were alone in a moment of addiction. You were alone in a moment of struggle, depression, anxiety. Why is that? It's because that wolf doesn't care. That wolf did what it wanted to do. And then it left you. But the good news is that when you let Jesus into your heart, when you allow that gate to be open and you allow him to come in, he is a direct opportunity to love you more than you've ever been loved in your life. He is now a direct opportunity to transform the way that you feel about yourself, the way that you think the world sees you. He is a direct opportunity, a hands-on encounter to change the course of your life. Daniel spoke a few weeks ago about the Greek word for good being kalos. And it means these things. It means beautiful, virtuous, excellent, genuine, and noble. Another meaning of the word kalos can go to the next slide is better. hmm I love this. So this title can be read like this. The Beautiful Shepherd. The Virtuous Shepherd. The Excellent Shepherd. Right, the Good Shepherd. The Genuine Shepherd. Or now, my personal favorite, The Better Shepherd. The Better Shepherd, meaning He is better, period. There is no other option. You, you, you can say any sentence and guess what? That word means that it's more every single time. He is the better option. He is the better path. It doesn't matter what you say, Ty, I know that this is stuck in my heart and, and, and sometimes it makes me feel good. Guess what? Jesus is better. Jesus is the better option. He's not just a good option. He is the better option every time. And this changes my perspective on his purpose in my heart. And I hope it changes yours too because when you can align yourself with the reality that the better shepherd, the better shepherd wants to have your heart and wants to help you in life, there is nothing better than better. There is nothing better than better. It's because of the two letters, the E-R in the end. (laughs) It means that it's always more. It always is more. Ephesians 1.5 says this, For it was always in His perfect plan to adopt us as His delightful children, through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that His tremendous love that cascades over us would be glory, uh, would uh, be glorify, glorify His grace. For the same love He has for the beloved Jesus, He has for us, and this unfolding plan brings Him great pleasure. Guys, when we allow the Lord into our hearts and allow Him to love us the way that He wants to it literally can transform your life. Anything that you look at from that point forward, you will be reminded that, wait, Jesus is better. That good shepherd, the guy that I let in is better than this every time. This This good man that wants nothing but me is better. And when we can nail down allowing him in the heart Heart first, And then we allow him to love us the way that he wants to in the way that we truly deserve. You guys deserve love. We deserve a deep love. And so if we allow that, it takes us to this final place. And this is the most important, I think. You have to let yourself know him. And sometimes I think this is the hardest part. You have to recognize him. You have to recognize his voice. You have to recognize his love, you have to recognize his sacrifice. You have to allow him to guide your life. You have to recognize him so he can lead you. John 10, 14 uh, through 17 says, I alone am the good shepherd, and I, though, and I know those whose hearts are, are, are mine, for they recognize me and they know me. Remember the beginning? There is power in recognition, Guys, there is power in knowing what is in your heart. That's what we're talking about today. It's not just that Jesus is the gateway, but that there's power in you knowing that. There's power in you knowing what's in your heart. There's power in you knowing who Jesus is in your heart. Guys, recognition is a powerful tool that we do not speak enough about. Jesus modeled this. Guys, we see so many accounts in the Bible of the power of recognition. I think, um, you know, we see it in the Old Testament when God recognizes David as king. That's recognition. God goes, boom. Nope, it's not the tall brother. It's not the more handsome one. It's not the buffer one. No, it's David because he has a heart for me. He recognizes him in that moment. One of my favorite, King Nebuchadnezzar. I just threw a name out for you, yeah. Do you know that at the end of that account, he recognizes the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know that? When when they're thrown into the furnace, and they see another person in the furnace, and they do not come out dead, and they're there, he, he recognizes their God He recognizes the power and the majesty that was God that saved these men from the furnace. That's recognition. You move to the New Testament, the Gospels, right? Accounts and stories of Jesus recognizing people that were deemed unrecognizable. The woman at the well. Nobody cared. Nobody recognized her as a woman, as a child of God. Guess who did? Jesus Any account that you see Jesus talking with somebody, he did not see the problem, he saw saw purpose. He recognized purpose in people. And when you truly know God, when you start to recognize the power that is God, the enemy starts to tremble. When you start to actively recognize the power that can live in every single one of us, powers and principalities don't know what to do with you. They don't understand that kind of power being in your body. They don't understand that. The accounts of Jesus um, um, speaking, speaking into um, um, death and sickness and all those things, that power can live in you. It actually can. Sometimes I think we say it and we read it and we forget that it's the truth. We forget that things change when you recognize, when you believe in those things. We go day to day and we forget what our faith really is. When you recognize the power that lives in you because you let God live in your heart, the enemy, that guy that tried to sneak into your heart, it runs away, it hides. Because it cannot face the power that is Jesus Christ. And that is a fact. It cannot face the power that is Jesus. I think of the storm in the boat, right? Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. These people, these dudes are like running frantic on deck. Like, oh my gosh, we're about to die. And Jesus is sleeping. And they go down, master, oh my gosh. Like, and he's, like, he's like, like, guys, come on. Walks up the steps. He's like, hey, storm, chill out a little bit. Boom, done. That is the power of Jesus Christ. Why do we not want that? Why do we not recognize That the scripture says that 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 has a place in our heart. That that has a, 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 a designated spot in your soul. Guys, the last thing the enemy wants is for God to occupy that place in your heart. Why do you think the enemy has to jump over the fence? Why do you think the enemy wants to do that so bad? It's because all it can think about 24-7 is the moment that you let that thing get in its place, the moment that you let God into that place, this world will change. Your life would change. And that's the last thing the enemy wants. Once the church recognizes this, once the church recognizes the power that we have access to, nothing would stand against anything here on earth Definitely not in heaven. Psalm 71, verse 18 says, God, now that I'm old and gray, I'm not yet. A little gray, actually. God, now that I am old and gray, don't walk away. Give me grace to demonstrate to the next generation all your mighty miracles and your excitement to show them your magnificent power. Come on. So he tries to fill that spot in your heart with anything else but God because he knows this verse. Because he knows that there are um, 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 mighty things to be done. That there are magnificent feats of power that should be passed on generation to generation to generation to glorify God always. But it can only do that if there's a, 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 a part of your heart occupied by that power. This is why it's so important to recognize the Father. This is why it's important to let him love you. This is why it's important to let him into that place. It's not only because he's the gateway to eternal life. Guys, eternal life is the reward. Sometimes we forget that. Like, we have everlasting life because Jesus came and became the gateway. Before Jesus came to be a gateway, it was a little iffy. We didn't know. We didn't know if we had the opportunity. It's actually not an opportunity. It's an exact truth that we have, that we, that we do get to go to heaven. It's not just the well, maybe, maybe, no. No, Jesus was that. Jesus, period. And the sooner that we recognize the power of God in us that lives there, the sooner we can serve the kingdom in big ways. Because that's what we're called to, right? John 14, 12 says this. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, come on, will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be With my father. This is the true power of recognition and why it's important to to see this part of the passage. John 10, 1 through 3. Again, uh, verse 2, it says, But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate, right? He walks right up to the gate of your heart. And because the gatekeeper, you, knows who he is, he opens the gate. We open the gate to let him in. And the sheep, we, recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls us by his name. And leads them out for we belong to him. Man. Guys, we belong to the Lord. It's not subjective. We do. We belong to the Lord. We belong to God. Our hearts belong to the Lord. Our lives belong to the Lord. Everything you do every day, whether you know it or not, goes to the Lord. I know for me, there's tension there sometimes. Like, oh man, everything I do in life goes to the Lord. Not just the good, but the bad. Everything we do is for the glory of God. Everything we do should be building the kingdom. Everything we do, everything we do should be building into bigger parts of, bigger parts, bigger miracles, bigger things, greater works. But guys, it, it, it starts in one place, in one place only. God's got to be in your heart. God has got to occupy that place. There's no other way. I can't heal anybody with this hand. But God can heal somebody with this hand. I can't transform a teenager's life with this hand, but God can transform that teenager's life with this hand. We can't change the tides of the world, but God can change the tides of the world. So I want you, I want you to reflect a little bit. What is keeping you from wanting to experience Is life abundant? What's keeping you from, from, from wanting to experience a true power? What is keeping that door to your heart, that gate to your heart, bolted and locked up? And I just want you to ask the Spirit right now. Say, God... How can I move into a place? How can I start walking on my journey where I can recognize your voice, where I can recognize who you are so I can have that power in me so I can go into the kingdom and change the world? Guys, our world is broken and it's hurting so badly right now. And as much as prayers and thoughts are awesome, they don't have any power if God is not behind them. We can't change what's going on in Afghanistan with our brothers and sisters out there if God is not a part of the equation. And the only way that God can be a part of the equation is if he's in you. We're the church are the church, your body, your spirit, your soul, who you are is the church. And the power that sits in that is exactly what Jesus wants. There's a reason why Jesus doesn't call on the cattle of the earth. There's a reason why Jesus doesn't call on the rocks of the earth. There's a reason why Jesus doesn't call on those things it's because he calls on you he's calling us he's calling us his children he's calling us his servants he's calling us to be that for the world so so i just want to take a minute i want you to bow your heads yeah, you know, I just want you to have a conversation with God right now. I just want you to have a conversation with the Spirit. And just ask him, Lord, I want to know this power. I want to know who you are. I wanna be able to recognize your voice in my life. I want to be able to recognize your hand in my life. Help me to know that. Help me to know you deeper. And pray, Spirit, help me to let you in that gate. Help me let you love me. Help me let me Recognize you. Because he is always going to be the better option. He is always going to be the gateway to the greatest thing that we will ever experience. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.